Bluetooth wants to help you have better sex. Discover your options at bluetooth.com. Chew it and do it. And we got a special deal for our listeners. Try Bluetooth for free when you use our promo code SOS at checkout. Just pay $5 for shipment. That's bluechew.com promo code SOS to receive your first month for free. Visit bluechew.com for more details and important safety information. And we thank Bluetooth for sponsoring the podcast. Welcome back to SOS VHS. This week, we have comedian Brad Williams talking about his favorite movie, Casino. It's the most comfortable podcast <laughs> I've ever done. Is it or not? No, it is. Uh, this is very comfortable. Good. Everybody I feel like hates it. So. Why? I feel it's like, like it's too low. I feel like it's decompressing my spine. I'm all right here. What are you looking at? <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming and doing this. Yeah, man. <laughs> this, a good time. This is fun for me. Um... All right. So uh, before we we start, could you like give me a quick summary of 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 Casino for those who haven't seen it? <laughs> <laughs> summary of Casino. It's very strange because <laughs> I'm dressed like this, but at the same time, I kind of feel like with the white suit and the wig, it's very tattoo of Fantasy Island. I yeah. Feel like half the people on YouTube were expecting me to go to plane, the plane, boss. It's not what we're doing. We're doing Nicky Santoro. And uh, so Casino was about Robert De Niro's character, who uh, this is going to shock you. A Robert De Niro character is associated with the mafia. Right. And Robert De Niro is the general manager of the casino. And uh, he's got a a lady, Sharon Stone, who for some odd reason wants to suck James Woods' dick. (laughs) Even though James Woods is the most creepy, horrible human being. Not just in real life, but like in this movie, you're like, there's no discernible qualities about this man that that would would make you go, but he's got a good heart. No, he's got nothing. He's got bupkis, as they say. Robert De Niro is a Jewish man Mm -hmm. in the movie. Yeah, Yeah, take that for what it's worth. Robert (laughs) De Niro playing a Jew. Yeah, no, makes complete sense. If you look at him, he screams Jew. Every now and then they put huge... Florida sunglasses on him, uh huh, and uh, like he's like like he's running a bingo hall, and I guess that's they're being like, nah, that's how we make him look Jewish. We, we put huge sunglasses on him, so that's that. <laughs> so they're running the casino, and it just shows them in the day to day operations of the casino, trying to get money, how they screw people, how they find people that are screwing them, and how they deal with it, and how the mob bosses keep wanting to make their money no matter what. The mob bosses are like a really bad board of directors <laughs> that no matter, even if you make them $5 million the next year, they want they want $7 million. Mm-hmm. And then they, they don't feel that De Niro's doing a good enough job. So they bring in me, Nikki Shantora, played by actor Joe Pesci, who's about three, maybe four inches taller than me. <laughs> right. And is allegedly the most intimidating man on the planet. <laughs> I don't know how he does it. I would like to know how Joe Pesci at five foot nothing becomes the most intimidating man on the planet. Right. He's very good at playing that guy. Whether it be Goodfellas, whether it be Casino, whether it be the villain in Home Alone. Right. That guy was scary as hell. Maybe it's because I was like two foot nothing and I was seven years old, but whatever. That being said, Nicky comes in. And Nicky has a little more brash attitude. 
He's got a little, uh, he doesn't like to uh, play games. He likes to crack skulls. He likes to break knees. And uh, in the end, I don't know, spoiler alert, doesn't work out too well for Nikki. In <laughs> one of the most brutal deaths in cinematic history, he has to watch his brother get beaten to death by baseball bats before they beat him to death with a baseball bat. And uh, that's all I want to say about that. That was a very sensitive, very sensitive subject. And uh, the movie pretty much ends with uh, Robert De Niro having a soliloquy about how Vegas has changed. It's no longer run by gangsters. It's run by uh, it's run by Disney. Corporations. It's, yeah. run, it's run by the corporations. Mm-hmm. And now they don't know who you are. They don't know who. They don't know your drink. They don't know your game. They don't know. And uh, it's all for the kids now. It's no longer the adult playpen that it used to be. I believe this movie said the word fuck more than any other movie in history up to this point. I mean, it's three hour long, so yeah. Three hour long movie, and I believe if you time it right, the word fuck is said out of one every, I think I read this stat, one out of every seven words is fuck in a three hour long movie. Right. Marty Scorsese, wow. That's your, that's your, so that, ladies and gentlemen, that's how you become a great director. <laughs> It's funny, Marty yeah, Scorsese. Tino copy that. Yeah, uh, yeah. He 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 uses the N word instead of fuck. But you know, whatever. That's uh, that's uh, that's uh, neither the here nor there. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Neither here nor there. Uh, so uh, Marty Scorsese likes to put down the Marvel movies and say those aren't really movies. And then he puts out Casino, which is three hours of the word fuck. So we all have our preferences and what we like. Casino, for my money, is my favorite movie of all time. It's right up there. It's in my top five. And uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm going in between Chicago and fucking New York <laughs> right, and Italian. It's all blending together. Yeah, yeah. It's all great. So wh why? Why is this one of your favorite or your favorite movies? Yeah. I think it's one of my favorite movies because you could tune it at any time. And all it is is, hey, this guy's running a casino. And this is the kind of shit that he's got to deal with. He's got to deal with people trying to cheat, people coming in using signals on their legs, hitting a button and screwing the screwing the casino out of money. He's got to come in with a whale, a, a big spender coming in. He won, he wins like $10 million and he goes, uh, you can't win $10 million. So they go like two. Yeah. Yeah. And then they say, uh, Oh, his plane doesn't work. Right. Even though, yeah, it's like, Oh, we have trouble with your plane. And then he goes back to the casino and he loses it all and loses a few million. And then it's like, cool. Now your plane works. <laughs> right. D adios. And uh, he's got to deal with Sharon Stone. And uh, <laughs> listen, man. I get it. That's the mother of his kid. But you, if, if I swear to God, if some broad, even the mother of my child, treated me the way Sharon Stone treats Robert, to fucking Nero in this movie, she would end up in the desert <laughs> and not in a condo. You know what I'm saying? I mean, <laughs> she she tells him she doesn't love him, you know, and he yeah. said, well, this, don't worry, it'll work out. It yeah, it'll work out. I'll out. just throw money at the problem and I'll, I'll just throw money, drugs, right. <laughs> fur, and jewelry at the problem and then uh, you'll end up loving me. And it's like this Sharon Stone broad, all right? Here's the thing. Sharon Stone is in the movie, married to Robert De Niro, who is the manager of a casino. He's rich as all fuck. 
They got everything that they want. Mm -hmm. And Sharon Stone's like, yeah, but uh, I don't have the creepy uh, hook dick of James Woods. So let me, uh, and and he gives me drugs. So let me uh, go after James Woods. At some point, he even hops on the cack of Nikki Santora, yours truly. Mm -hmm. And that's his best friend. And he's still like, you know what? I'm Sharon fucking Stone, (laughs) the peak of my powers. Let me go after this five foot one pig meat. (laughs) Uh, Joe, Joe, Joe Pesci. I'm not trying to put down short guys. Right. Know? I have a lot invested in short guys. But what the, what the fuck, Sharon Stone? You do that. You do that with me, let me tell you. End up in the desert. End up in the desert. You're yeah. dead. Dead. <laughs> fuck you looking at? I'm sorry. Listen, I know it's Hollywood. There's a lot of pressure on parents, but... Oh, yeah, I have a sandwich or something. Jeez. Well, we we'll say we we have a bourbon screw, and uh, yeah, we just yeah. him up. Um, so okay, so did you watch this movie when it came out in '95? No, in '95 yeah. I was 11 years old, <laughs> right? And I believe my parents would not let me go see a movie. I had to work fuck every seven words. All right, so they didn't. But this. Casino became the movie that was on, I think, like TBS or TNT or something, and they would just play it, because why the fuck not? A, it's a perfect movie, and then B, it runs for, when you have it on your network with commercials, it can run for five hours, and uh, yeah, there's no time where you're like, oh no, I'm only into the movie an hour in, I missed the first hour, I don't know what's going on. No, you know exactly what the fuck is going on, Sharon Stone's a bitch. (laughs) Nikki Santor, that's me. I'm trying to make some money. Everyone's trying to make a little bit of money. Everyone's trying to dip their wick, if you know what I'm saying. And uh, some people are getting whacked. It's a great fucking movie. And uh, Don Rickles is in it. Yeah. The legend, Don Rickles. And he he doesn't play Don Rickles. That that would have been great. But uh, instead, he plays like the floor manager. He's the old school wise guy as well. Right. And he's really good. He's the one that says, hey, that guy over there is cheating. Let's go hit him in the hand with a hammer. <laughs> Good roll. <laughs> okay, are you a fan of Scorsese's film? Uh, I, lo- I love Scorsese. Marty. Yeah. Marty Scorsese. He's Italian, yeah. you know. Goodfellas. Casino. Yeah. Raging Bull. I even like the departed. There you go. I went to Boston for one second there. <laughs> okay. I even, like, I, I, I even like that movie. Some people don't like it. Yeah. Uh, Due to certain twists and turns in the end with the little rat going across the screen. They're like, it's um, too on the, the nose. Yeah. I liked it. Yeah. Departed. Same movie to me as Casino. You right. can tune in at any time and you know what's going on. What's happening? They're trying to make money. He's trying to not be discovered. Yeah. I love Marty Scorsese. Do you think the movie is funny? Because I feel like that that he always like. Casino? Yeah. Toes with, uh, tiptoes Hilarious. with the you know, com- violent, violence and comedy together, which is something that I always It's hilarious. Say. You smash a guy's hand with a hammer <laughs> and you, you, you were watching him breathe in pain. It's fucking brilliant. <laughs> I was laughing the whole time. And then you have, like, Marty Scorsese movies. He knows how to do humor without actually doing humor. Right. Like, when he did The Irishman, having a 92-year-old Robert De Niro try to kick the ass of a 25-year-old... <laughs> Hilarious. One of the top five moments, comedic moments in cinematic history. And he wasn't trying to do it. He's got 99-year-old Robert De Niro trying to put his arthritic hip into good use. And this that's that's more force than he than he was getting right there. 
Uh-huh. And that looks like I'm just trying to do something with the with the old reflexes, liquid death. Yeah, do that right there. But uh yeah, so Marty Scorsese unintended comedy. And it's wonderful. When he's and then every fight that De Niro has with Sharon Stone. Now thankfully, my wife, sweet angel that she is, we you know, she's not going out banging another pygmy. She just bangs me. It's good. And uh, she's not going out with James Woods, yeah. which I've read his Twitter. That would be problematic for many reasons. Uh, but, you know, we've had some fights. We've had some fights. So we can, I can relate to someone that you love so much that drives you fucking insane. Mm -hmm. And, you know, every now and then you let, you let off some steam. And they let off some steam. And then you come back <laughs> and you go, all right, let's have a cavassier and then uh, go to bed. It's, it's good. Awesome. I don't know why I would kind of, kind of build Burr there. Yeah, I would kind of build Burr there. I'm trying to stick to one accent. It's yeah. not. It's not going great. It's, it's. It's going. It's going. I was like, yeah, 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 Bill Burr. Yeah, you kind of do that thing right there. It's fine. I don't know. It's going back and forth. Anyway. All right, but let me. Okay, so let's go back to '95. Your, yep. your, um, 11 years old. 11 years old. So. At what point in in your childhood do you, you realize like you know you're not gonna play in the basketball team? Uh, when what? I was fucking born, <laughs> no. and they said, "Hey, <laughs> you're not a seven foot two black man," and they said, "You're a you're a, you're a white dwarf from Orange County," and that's what I was like. Well, NBA is probably not in my future, you know. I'm probably not gonna be a, probably not gonna be a football player. I tried to be a punter. At one time, I tried to sign up for football and be a puncher, but you already saw my leg work. <laughs> yeah. Don't have a lot of flexibility. Your your leg work is incredible. It's not that powerful. I might all the power comes from my ass. My ass is. If you ever seen a dwarf ass, spectacular. Apparently, my TikTok thinks that I love seeing dwarf ass because that's all I see. Where my algorithm is just like dwarf ass, dwarf ass, dwarf ass, apple, dwarf ass, dwarf ass. <laughs> chiropractic video dwarf ass that that that's what my that's algorithm your... is mm -hmm. i don't know what the algorithm like, doesn't lie so. i don't know how the chiropractic <laughs> videos got on there i mean i go to a chiropractor and i'm not one of those guys that like gets off on bones popping <laughs> but uh you know they, they throw they, they throw some stuff in there but uh yeah so that i i knew very young very not young. gonna be a professional athlete right and yeah. then so you i i remember when when you were on bad friends you you mentioned that how your dad helped you write jokes or like write yeah. comebacks already because he yes. knew already that you're gonna have some issues with other kids. Yeah. What what, right. what age is that? Oh, that's about uh five years old. Five years old. My dad's tall, so uh, all I know all dwarves all dwarves don't come from other dwarves. Camera, okay? It's there's not an island of fucking pygmies that are out in the in the South Pacific. It's not like Moana. <laughs> we don't we don't board boats and throw little spears at people. All right. So my dad's tall. He he knows that his son, his pride and joy, is gonna go to school and probably get made fun of. Kids are fucking cruel. So he and I would sit down, write jokes together, comebacks. So then when someone came up to me and said, Ha ha, you're little I said, Ha ha, your mom doesn't live with your dad anymore. <laughs> And that was a way better joke. Right. And I uh, grew up in Orange County, like I said, so I had about a 55% chance of getting that correct. Uh, so yeah, mm -hmm. it, it, kids knew not to kids, kids knew not to mess with me.
This episode is sponsored by Blue Chew. Let's talk about sex. Summer is around the corner. Do you want to bring heat in the bedroom? Now you can increase your performance and get the extra confidence in bed. Listen up. BlueChew.com BlueChew is a unique online service that delivers the same ingredients as Viagra, Cialis, and Levitra, but in chewable tablets and at a fraction of the cost. You can take them anytime, day or night, so you can plan ahead and be ready whenever the opportunity arises. The process is simple. Sign up at BlueChew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you're approved, you'll receive your prescription in a matter of days. The best part? It's all done online. No visit to the doctors, no awkward conversations, and no waiting in line at the pharmacy. Bluetooth tablets are made in the USA and prepare and ship directly to your door in a discreet package. And let's be honest, you know, talking about sex is something that we should do more and more naturally. I'm from Europe, something that, you know, I grew up doing. Sometimes not everything works. And with a little tablet now, you know, your confidence back. I, I strongly recommend it. Uh, if you need a little extra help downstairs, go to bluechew.com. Bluechew wants to help you have better sex. Discover your options at bluechew.com. Chew it and do it. And we've got a special deal for our listeners. Try Bluechew for free when you use our promo code SOS at checkout. Just pay $5 shipping. That's bluechew.com promo code SOS to receive your first month for free. Visit bluechew.com for more details and important safety information. And we thank Bluechew for sponsoring the podcast. So, uh, at what point you realize you're funny? Oh, you're... very early. I, I I realize I'm funny very early because that's my defense mechanism. That's how I get people mm -hmm. that want to make fun of me that then start to like me. I crack some dwarf jokes, I crack some jokes on them, crack some jokes on their friends. They'll go, yeah, Brad's not half bad. Sure, he can't sling the football 50 fucking yards, but who can? You know? So uh, that's how I made friends, and I was, I was the funny guy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And how do, how do you turn that into a profession early on, too? Like, you knew that that's the path you want to take? Or? I, I had no idea. No fucking clue that I could get paid lucrative amounts of money to do this shit. <laughs> right. By the way, I'll send you an invoice for the fucking suit. <laughs> uh, I had no idea. And then I was watching, uh, this was in like the late 90s, early 2000s. I was watching Comedy Central Presents, which is a bunch of half-hour comedy specials. Mm -hmm. Guys like uh, Frank Caliendo, Paolo Francisco, Dom Herrera. Wonderful half-hour comedy specials. Freddie Soto. And uh, I was like, oh, shit, that's cool. I remember watching Eddie Murphy Raw. And I was like, oh, that's really funny. And you can't really say it's funny now. The first couple bits are a little problematic right they don't exactly hold up by putting uh men of a homosexual <laughs> nature on top of a card and using them as a siren <laughs> might be a hate crime nowadays but uh no i loved it i, I love comedy and then uh in um high school i started doing improv comedy you know do a scene like hey give me a job give me a profession you know People yelled out leprechauns so often. I don't even know why. It was weird. But uh, that was a lot of fun. And then after that, while I was in college, I was going to the University of Southern California, fight on Trojans, and uh, discovered open mic nights. And that was a blast, doing open mic nights. And uh, that was once I did that, I was like, well, I'm in trouble because this is going to be awesome. 
And uh, so far, so good. Here we are, 20 years later. <laughs> right. If you would have told me 20 years ago that my career would be so successful, right. that I would be in a rack shack studio in the valley, <laughs> probably has been used for porn. There's probably some jism in these walls. I cannot deny it. That guy's got a boner. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Maybe and one. then maybe one shoot. If you got all that, it's like, yeah, I'm I'm obviously living the fucking dream. You know? I got I'm here with, with some sand in a in a fucking coconut. <laughs> you know, in my fantasy island outfit trying to be Nick Santoro, but it is it's just amazing. <laughs> it's amazing. I'm living the fucking dream. And uh it, it's it, it it it's really I don't know how long I keep this fucking accent going. I don't even know what accent it is. But it's great. It's amazing. Thankfully, I've been very sexful. Sexful? Yeah, I've been sexful, too. Thankfully, people like me. They tend to find me funny. Yeah. But really, if you walk on stage as a little person and you can't make them laugh, there's something fucking wrong with you. Because dwarves are just inherently funny. Look at this. I'm in a suit and... No one's thought is like that's a sexy ass. They're like that's fucking hilarious. They put they put a suit on him. How how'd they get that? Shut up. <laughs> but okay, so when you tell your parents, hey, I'm I'm dropping. Oh, they knew I was a dwarf when I was born. <laughs> I didn't have to tell them. <laughs> no, dropping out of college. Oh that, yeah, yeah. Were yeah. they like supportive of that? Absolutely of... not. <laughs> right. I came I to them and said, hey, I found stand up comedy. I'm gonna go on the road. I had a year to go. A year to go to graduate. And uh, what were you studying? That's the thing. <laughs> I was studying communications. Right. Okay. Yeah. Like, we didn't lose a cancer cure. <laughs> right, right. We're not sitting here like, man, all those kids with cystic fibrosis would now be able to have a normal life if Brad Williams had just stayed <laughs> in school. Right. No, we. I'll tell you what we lost. We lost a minor league baseball announcer. <laughs> right. That's what we lost. That's what I probably <laughs> would have been doing. And then a minor league is like, hey, you're in for the. You're for the Rockford Barons, you know? How how how'd you do? Did you know you're gonna be upgraded to the Toledo Mud Hens? <laughs> you know, it's something like that. So, I was majoring in communications, found stand-up comedy, dropped out. Parents were pissed off, but right. once but once I bought myself a house, at age 25, a few years in, eh, condo, whatever. But uh, Denver. yeah, then they were like, oh, this is good. And then once they went and they brought their friends to see me, and I made them the friends laugh. You know, my dad brought all his buddies from the office, and then all all in the office, they'd be like, hey, hey Big Pete, how's your kid doing? He's funny as hell. And my dad's right. like, that's right, he's funny as hell. <laughs> so, yeah, I got him on my side eventually. Right. I mean, it's just a risky profession no matter who you are. Oh, but... yeah. I would have, if my kid's a year away from graduating and she comes to me and says, I want to do what you do and be a fucking clown, you know, I want to, I, 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 I want to amuse people. Um. Uh, be like that damn like you just finish just finish college right. but you know that wasn't the cards for me so i get why my parents were mad right i support that you know they we were close the whole time no big deal uh it, but then it turned out it turned out great it turned out great so yeah i would support my kid but that's only because i plan on being really fucking rich <laughs> so it doesn't matter right and is it true that you were at a Carlos Mencia show where he was making uh, little people jokes? Yeah. yeah. And then I was in the there. audience. Yeah. He's on stage. This is before I started doing comedy. Oh. I was uh, I was in the audience of uh, that show, and he started making midget jokes, and half the audience is laughing. The audience is by me is like, 
Whoa, we can't laugh at that shit. Yeah, look at that. <laughs> and then um, he'd see us on stage and he goes, what, is one of them here? And I just raised my creepy little hand in the air. And he's like, yeah, I'm fucking here. What are you going to fucking do about it? <laughs> and he called me up on the stage. Started asking me questions. I answered the questions. He didn't try to make them funny. I just answered the questions. He said, hey, what do you do for a living? I said, I work at Disneyland. Because I did. I grew up in Orange County. At some point, all kids got to work at Disneyland if you grow up in Orange County. The fact that I'm a dwarf is purely coincidence. And then I said, I work at Disneyland. The audience laughed. And I turned to the audience and I said, fuck you. I'm not one of the seven. And then they laughed again. I'm like, oh, that felt really fucking good. That right. felt really fucking good. So I had had sex at that point, but that was right up there with sex. So... After, and after that, I started uh, I started doing the open mics, and that really made me go, like, I really want to do this. So I started doing it, and it's been fucking great. And uh, so what what was your big break or the, the first big step? Yeah. So here's the thing. Here's the thing about show business that I want to put it out there for people. Wow. I've been doing that whole thing with my neck held up. Yeah. Now, <laughs> now I'm putting it back. It yeah. fucking delightful. This is so much better. You All can right. leave Nick. Nick All right. No, this is great. All right. No. You don't very rarely in show business and in life do you get one big break. What happens most of the time is you get a break that leads to a break that leads to a bigger break that leads to a bigger break. Mm -hmm. So that's what happened to me. You know, going on the road with Mencia. And while he had the mind of and see a TV show back 20 years ago, whatever it was. Yeah. That was a big, that was big break number one. Then that led to going on, you know, that led to headlining on my own. That's kind of big break number two because I didn't suck when I was the opening act. Mm -hmm. And uh, big break number three, getting on the uh, Kevin and Bean show out here in L.A. That's a popular radio program, which kind of got me going in L.A. and got people talking about me. And uh, very popular on podcasting all over the country. And being part of that show was uh, really great. Being part of that. And then the comedy specials, uh, Fun Sags, Daddy Issues, mm -hmm. those were breaks. And then uh, that led to Netflix. That was a big break. And then the Amazon Prime picking up the comedy specials and putting right. them on. That was a big break because that shows me to a whole, whole other audience. And uh, and then it's really those two comedy specials because then that so it all that's all building, and then right after the pandemic or during the pandemic, people start passing my shit around on TikTok. I'm not even on TikTok. I'm not on it. Anyone who says they're Brad Williams, they're not. That's not me. Mm -hmm. I'm not on it yet. I will be eventually, but eh, whatever. Uh, so they passed around the clips, and that got me popular. Even more, so it's like all these things just led one led to the next, led to the next, led to the next. So I don't like saying like this one thing was my big break. Mm -hmm. it, it, it's a lot of things that just kind of led up to each other, and that's how it is in life, you know. Because uh, it's like I like this quote. Quote is people like like people like to say to people who are successful is Ah, oh, you got lucky. You got lucky. Luck is skill meets opportunity. Because if I had gone on stage, you know, before I would see you and sucked, well, then that ends that opportunity. Mm -hmm. If I started headlining and I sucked, that ends that opportunity. Before I got on the Kevin and Bean show, I tried to do that. 
Um, the first time I got on air with them, if I sucked, that ends that opportunity. So it's like you have to have some skill when you get your opportunity. It, yeah. No one's just going to come to you and say, here's a bag of money because you exist. Right. You got to have some sort of skill that makes people, you know, when I, when I did the comedy specials, the first time, the first comedy special, Fun Sash, it wasn't even guaranteed to go on Showtime, a little inside baseball here. We were just shooting it. And then we're going to be like, all right, let's just go out and see if anyone wants it. We shot like six specials that weekend with, you know, five other comedians. Right. Not all of them got picked up. Not all of them did. I don't want to put on Blair's who didn't get picked up because they're all really great comics. Right. But mine, mine did. So I got, I got lucky in that I got an opportunity, but I had the skill to back it up. So, you know what I mean? Like, cause I could, I could have blown any one of those things and then I'd be going to studios in the Valley filling midget porn. You know, that, that would be my <laughs> life right me. now. Yeah. Which don't get me wrong. I'd probably be way more popular filling midget porn. Dude, there's these girls on, <laughs> on TikTok. I don't know. Like I said, I'm not on it, but I see the algorithm. Right. And. There's these dwarf porn stars on TikTok, these chicks, and I'm just like, holy shit, good for fucking you. Like, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm happy for them. I would never do it. Uh, but it's like, good for you. Nice to see other little people succeeding. Yeah. You another ever tried skeleton <laughs> porn? Is that something you'd oh, ever? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, by the looks of it, it looks like you stay hard the whole time. <laughs> Always right. hard. Yep. Um, All bone. Another another uh, quote about luck that I lo I like is also Tiger Woods used to say, uh, "The harder I practice, the luckier I am." So, yeah. yeah, that skill is important. And yeah, but it, it, it looks like you were very successful. Like I mean, early on, like the, yeah. it wasn't a super. It was. It, it, uh, I was pretty successful early on, and yeah. uh, as like because some young comics and comics that came up with me, they'd be like, "Oh man, I wish I was a dwarf." Cause that's <laughs> right. You got opportunities. And I'd be like, all right, fucking if you want to, you know, pay an extra 30, 40 bucks for every pair of pants you buy because you got to hem them. If you want to buy shoes that have characters on the side because that's the only shit that fits you. If you want to go to Six Flags and be like, well, maybe one day I'll ride that ride. Not today as, right. as a 30-year-old man. Uh, yeah, go right, go fucking right ahead. Like, you know, there's there there's bone saws out there. Go ask the fucking Saudi Arabians. You can get a bone saw, you know, saw off your fucking leg, and then there you go. There's that, your hook. That's a reaction to almost any minority. That, yeah, yeah, right, yeah. Like, oh, I yeah. wish I was this. <laughs> right. It's like, all right, go right ahead. But once again, there's there's been a lot of little people that have tried to do stand-up comedy. Yeah. And there's only a few that have been successful. You got guys like me and Nick DeVicki, and then uh, Tanya Lee Davis came before me. She's a pioneer. She's like the dwarf Jackie Robinson. <laughs> uh, so then right. she's great. And uh, But that like there's a lot more that have tried that haven't been that successful. So it's more that it's like when Dan Cook was having all his popularity. Everyone's like, oh, he just does pop culture references. He just says pop culture references. I'm like, if I can go on stage and say fucking speak and spell and Teddy Ruxpin and Super Soaker and get $40 million, I'd fucking do it. <laughs> right. So he's obviously doing more than just that. He's right. More, he's doing more than just walking on stage and being like, Thundercats. Uh, everyone goes fucking crazy. Right. So, yeah, it, he's doing more than that. So that's, that's all I'm saying. It's not people try to make excuses 
Yeah. Because then if it's that puts the blame away from themselves. Of course. If they say, oh, you're only successful because you're a fucking midget. Yeah. Or you say pop culture references or you're an overweight comic or a black comic or a trans comic or whatever the hell. Then that takes away the fact that that comic's just fucking better than them. Right. Or works harder. Right. So that's what I would say. There's a. Uh, there's ways to, uh, there's just because you have the one hook or the one in or the one opportunity doesn't mean you're guaranteed success. Yeah. So, uh, you have, you have to work on top of that and be good on top of that. We got deep. Let's get back to fucking silly. Let, <laughs> let, let, let's break some ankles. All right. Okay. Is there a bat? I can fucking go to town on this asshole. <laughs> yeah, we, we got I'll, I'll, I'll get you a bat. You, you have the pen, you know, that's a nice pen. Oh, it's a pen. <laughs> that's my pen. <laughs> Yeah, fucking Why not? carotid artery. Why don't you take that pen and shove it up your ass, you <laughs> fucking jagoff? You like that, you fucking proctologist skeleton. All right. Uh, so, okay, uh, still a question. If if the world of comedy was a mafia, uh, who would Ooh. be the, <laughs> who would be the bosses? Oh, well, Rogan's the best. <laughs> fucking Rogan's the big boss. You got to look at, like, there's, like, families. There's, uh -huh. like, there's, yeah, so Rogan's, like, the Austin boss. <laughs> Um, cause he like, cause he's got his lieutenants, you know what I mean? <laughs> of course. He's got his, uh, Ari Shafir's and your, uh, Tony Hinchcliffe's <laughs> and your Joey Diaz's and they're like the lieutenants that are out there, uh -huh. you know? The muscle. And, yeah, <laughs> you know? But, and then you have, yeah, and then you have like, you have like a Burt Kreischer. I think Burt Kreischer has moved up to the level of boss and he used to be a Rogan lieutenant. So now he's, he's like, like, he started his own rival family. Mm -hmm. This would be a lot of fun. Oh, man, this <laughs> you just got me really happy with this game. Who are like mob bosses <laughs> in comedy? Yeah. Because I think, uh, I think yeah, I think Rogan and Kreischer are like two mob bosses right now. I'm, yeah, I'm trying to think of others that are like, they, they have something and they're in charge of a whole thing. A lot of times you go to podcasts because, you know, people run these podcast networks right. like Bill Burr. He's got a podcast network that uh, yeah. has a lot Who of successful people. This, uh... I don't know if he's a boss or if he's like a governor or I don't know, man. But he's right up there. He's up there in between like he's he's up there. Right. Uh, Where is Bobby and Andrew? What are they? Bobby. <laughs> Bobby's a fucking gopher. <laughs> <laughs> And Andrew is the guy that tells Bobby what to go for. Okay. Now I don't know the I don't know the hierarchy. I think are they the ones with the bats? Like you know? Yeah, they're like they're like the hitmen. I don't yeah. know. I don't know if uh, Andrew's like the main guy, and then Bobby's like the co the the consigliere. You know, he's the main guy that he consults. Right. right. I don't know if that's it, but uh, they're they're high. They 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 might be lieutenants or like regional bosses, but. Uh, you know, or yeah, you know, they're not they're not the foot soldiers, right? You know, but uh, but uh, that that that's more my role. I'm more of a foot what? Soldier. Yeah, yeah. What are you? Yeah, I'm like a foot soldier because I'm just on the road all the time. I'm traveling around, getting <laughs> the money, coming back now. Are you skimming from all the families? Yeah, yeah, I'm <laughs> skimming from all the families, all the improvs, all the funny bones, all the heliums. I'm skimming off the top. I'm taking my cut. You right. Know what I mean? And then I then I don't then I don't I don't push it back to the bosses at all. Rogan don't get it shit from me, you know. And I don't have a I, I don't have a fucking podcast under any, anyone's network that I gotta kick them some money. Nah, no, I'm just my own I'm I'm just my own shit. 
That's really interesting, though. I would love to see, like, a mob boss. You have some very dedicated comedy fans. I'm sure they can draw up a mob tree with fucking Rogan and Kreischer and Burr. And I'm trying to think. There's got to be. I'm trying to think of, like, black comics that are, like, maybe Kevin Hart. He's Chappelle. A, yeah. Oh, Chappelle. What? Yeah, Chappelle's a he's boss. He's the New York boss. Yeah. <laughs> he, well, he's not even New York boss. He's an Ohio boss. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He don't give a fuck out there in Ohio because no <laughs> one's keeping track of what he's doing. They're just like, hey, he's in Ohio. What's he going to do? And yeah. Then he, and then he fucking owns the whole thing. So, uh, yeah. No, yeah. Chappelle's definitely a boss. It's where the cornfields are. <laughs> they take. They yeah, hey, hey, hey. I'm very sensitive to talk about cornfields. I don't know if you saw the movie. It's, I don't. It doesn't end well for me in a cornfield. <laughs> hey, right. hey, Nikki. It, it's me, Dom. Um, it's me, Dom. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, the, uh, have you ever had a near, nearly uh, death experience like the the Ooh. characters in the movie, like Ace? Uh, I've had near death experiences, but it's all like a lot of us when we were kids, you do stupid shit. Uh. You know, like one time I gave my truck to a friend, and then I let him drive it. <laughs> And then I was in the back. Uh, I was in the truck bed. And he was... The whole goal that he was trying to do was to throw me out of the truck bed. He was trying to do turns and, like, whip me around and fling me out of the truck bed because he thought it'd be funny. I, I look back and I go, yeah, I very nearly died that day. I probably <laughs> right. should be dead just based on that action alone. And there's tons of stories like that. Uh, here's... Here's... Uh, it wasn't necessarily a near-death experience, but... So I was on the road doing a show in uh, the United States territory of Guam. They don't like to say they're in a different country. That's very sensitive about that. Yeah. So you say the United States territory of Guam. I believe it's a territory. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so I'm out there, and I'm, uh, and I'm with my opener. He's a very, very funny comedian. He's going to be headlining it himself. His name is J.B. Ball. Very great guy. And uh, we're out there in Guam, and it's, in the, it's an island in the you know, middle of fucking nowhere, and we're like, we want to do some fun stuff. This guy goes, I'll take you on a jet ski tour. And I'm like, fuck yeah, I want to go on a jet ski tour. Mm -hmm. So we go. The unfortunate part about this particular time of the year, there happens to be a little bit of a storm coming in. So we hop on the jet skis, me and JB Ball and the, and the guy. <laughs> right. Just three of us. Yeah. And the waves are they're pretty high. Choppy. I'm not just saying that as a little person. You're like, yeah, of course, like six <laughs> inches high. You. No, it's fucking big waves. And we're, but we're men, so nobody wants to be like, uh, no, like no one wants to push you out. Mm -hmm. So we start going on this tour. Now, here's how the tour goes it goes, the guide goes, follow me, and he goes. And then I go after him, and then JB's after me. About 10 seconds in, we go, shit, he's not looking back. Like the guide isn't looking back. And so I'm in the middle. I'm just like, if I fall off my jet ski, if JB misses me, I'm dead. Done. If JB falls off, he's fucked. Because I'm going that way. And I would, every now and then I would look back, like every few minutes or so. But so we're going on rough water. We're flying off these waves. It's raining on us. And I'm just like, if I don't follow this guy, I'll die. The, the shore is way too far away. You're not swimming it. And so that was... That was a near-death experience where you're just like, I'm in the middle of the fucking ocean. If I fall off this jet ski, I'm dead. Wow. And, and uh, thankfully, uh, me and JB Ball did not fall off the jet <laughs> ski, and we're alive and well and touring now. You go to brainwilliamscomedy.com, 
JB's my normal opening act. You see how funny this fucker is. And tell him about Guam, how he almost died. <laughs> awesome. So, oh, okay, back to the mafia thing. So yeah. if, if um, yeah, if comedy was mafia, yeah. how do you think, like, the Rogan Mencia... Uh, um, <laughs> whatever yeah, I, I want to like, call it, like, would end... Uh, would feud? Have ended, the feud would so, have ended. Someone would be in a cornfield. <laughs> right. Who, who would have... Who? I mean... See, the thing is, is like you got Rogan, he's got all the martial arts backgrounds and right. stuff like that. And uh, I've been, you know, I'm, I'm friends with both guys, so I don't want to get too far into it. But at the same time, uh, I'd say Rogan's fans are a little bit more, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, Aggressive. Dedicated. <laughs> I'll go with dedicated. And uh, they they would definitely back him up. A little more, mm -hmm. so uh, yeah, I'm 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 sorry to say, Ned, but you'd end up in a cornfield, fucker. <laughs> you know, it's just kind of how that goes. If it was, if it was the mafia, if if it was the mafia, right, right, <laughs> yeah. Did uh, if this if it was the mafia, was that like uh, worst thing you could do to another mafia? Is this like equivalent to oh, like skimming out? Whacking the them? Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. It might be. I mean, uh. Yeah, one could argue that, uh, I mean, it, it was the best thing for us as a society, but uh, uh, Hannibal Burris calling out fucking Cosby was like the worst thing you could do, but turned out to be obviously a great thing for society as as a whole. Right. But like, cause that, cause Hannibal Burris calling out Cosby kind of started that whole snowball in effect. Right. Uh, so, yeah, I think whenever there's like comic on comic, Either people accused of stealing or, you know, shit like that. Yeah. Um, that's that's like the equivalent of the family's warren, you know what I mean? Right. So, yeah, I try not, like, are there comics out there that I don't like? Fucking, of course. <laughs> right. Of course, there's a lot of us, you know? Right. But uh, I don't like to say shit because we're all in the we're all in the yeah, same thing. It's like a cold war, right? That and like if I say shit, then they'll say shit, and their <laughs> fans are coming at me, and my right. fans are coming at them. Don't need that. Makes sense. I like that. I like to keep the peace. I yeah, like to keep the peace. Yeah, makes sense. Makes sense. I don't know how many times have you uh, tell this told this story, but sure. I I heard a couple times, and it's just too funny not to ask you. Like, okay. uh, so when you you were on the road how how did you get that job in san francisco that uh that led to oh. you know meeting your wife okay <laughs> yeah so here's the thing so uh i was doing well like i said on the kevin and bean show right radio show out here in los angeles and then i get an opportunity a phone call comes in and someone says hey we, we want to start a new morning show in san francisco on the live 105 channel do you want to go do it and i looked at the people they wanted me to work with and i said fuck yeah That sounds great. They're great people. Uh, it's funny. Now, now they're back here in L.A. and they took over for Kevin and Bean. It's, uh, life is circular. So Is it like kind of like podcasting? It's like Yeah, well, it's just terrestrial skill? radio. So right. you have to deal with commercials and you can't curse. <laughs> right. Uh, but um, so I go up there to San Francisco. Now on the on the show, we play this game called Tinder or Grinder. We come with a game. And the whole point of the game is so I can meet friends. I'm up in San Francisco. I don't know any people, you know? Yeah. So I go up to San Francisco, and we play Tinder or Grindr. This is so I can meet friends. I flip a coin. Based when it lands on, I go on, I go on either a Tinder date or a Grindr date. Uh, those of you who don't know, Grindr is gay Tinder. And some <laughs> of you are like, well, Brad, you're not gay. You're right. But I'm what you call a go-getter. 
<laughs> so, yes, and improv. Uh, so we flipped the coin day one. Lands on, lands on grinder. Uh -huh. I, I gotta go on a grinder date, and so uh, I make a profile. I immediately match up with a very large, red-headed, bearded man who tells me to only call him Ginger Bear. <laughs> I could hear your producer in the back. I think at this point he'd be out. Right. Not me. I was like, Ginger Bear, you just met Gummy Bear. Let's do this shit. I tell him, I said, for a radio bit, we're not, you know, I'm straight. But he goes, fuck it. Let's go have a good time. So we go. We, uh, we go to a sports bar. We have a great date. He tells me I'm handsome. Good guy. Stand-up guy. Um, I feel bad. I feel bad because like, do you become friends with these people? That yeah, on dates? he's, like, he's a they, nice, they, really, he's a right. really good guy. Felt bad yeah. I couldn't give him a little handy at the end of it. <laughs> I felt really bad. I'm like, man, you were so nice to me. <laughs> Pay for the meal, told me I was handsome. I like this guy. Right. Ah, is that a sports bar? He knew about sports. God damn, I wanted to. I wanted to. So uh, I'm sorry, Ginger Bear. I'm sorry. That's what I'm trying to say. I as, as, I wish I liked it. You know. Yeah, but uh, so uh, uh, we're going on the radio the next day. We're gonna talk about the date and say, all right, now now we're gonna play Tinder Grinder again. Brett's gonna flip another coin. This time, someone calls in and goes, "Yeah, you're doing Tinder Grinder. You should try Thrinder." I'm like, "Fuck is that?" I go, "That's Tinder for people trying to have threesomes." I'm like, "I like threesomes. <laughs> Who doesn't like that?" <laughs> Yeah, and this is how you know it's not bullshit. It's not called uh, Thrinder anymore. It's called Field. F-E-E-L-D. Tinder sued him for copyright infringement. <laughs> so it's, it's a real app. So I go on the app, and I match up with two ladies. This is your second time playing the game yeah. already? Yeah, okay. yeah. I'm like, fine, we'll do Thrinder. Because <laughs> I'm trying to make friends. If you're on Thrinder, you make you make double the friends. You just try to, It's it, it, you know, it's more efficient. So... Uh, I, I go on Thrinder, I match up with two ladies, we're all gonna go out together, and then one of the ladies calls right before and says, I, I can't make it, I'm, I'm not showing up on the date, so I call the other lady, and I say, uh, uh, alright, we lost one, do you still want to go on a date? She's like, yeah, still want a date. So I go on a date with this, with this, with this broad. <laughs> two years after that date, I proposed to that woman. Because you find a hot Asian woman that loves three ways, you lock that shit down. <laughs> what, what was it like in the in, in casino? Was it like a love at first sight, kind of like or infatuation? No, at first sight. No, no, it was not. <laughs> okay, she'll tell you the same fucking thing. Okay, we were there for a wham bam, thank you, ma'am. We were on a fucking <laughs> sex date, you know, a sex right. app. I was just supposed to go in there and be like, "Cool, you look like your picture. Great, let's go." And she she had the same thought process. She had just come out of a relationship. Uh -huh. She was kind of heartbroken. And she was like, all right, let me uh, make some bad decisions with this little guy and make right. me, you know, it, he'll he'll probably make me think that my life could be a lot worse. <laughs> so we, we, we both came in with that mindset. Mm -hmm. But literally about 20 minutes into the date, 15, 20 minutes into the date, I'm like, ah, shit. I like this one. She's cool. She's cool as fuck. She's got a she's got a mouth on her, you know. And that's not a sexual thing. It's like she's witty, right? You know, she had comebacks to my jokes. 
you know? Yeah, you need that. Yeah. <laughs> and so, and like, she had her shit together. She had a job, two jobs. And, uh, and then, you know, when, when I eventually went to her place, her place was very clean, very organized. And uh, she would talk about all this stuff that she does to keep it that way. And I'm like, oh, I'm gone all the time. I would like that. And, uh, yeah, two years after that, I married that one. Like, it, it was it was meant to be just a quick thing. And then, we're, and then both of us, and then for her, she, she, she's told me this. She goes, yeah, you were nice. You were nice. Most guys, you know, when they're, when they know they're going to get laid or whatever, they think that's what they're going to do. They're, 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 they're going to be mean. It's like, you were nice. You were, you were kind. And I'm like, fuck, that's all it took. I've been nice forever. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't get anything like that, but shit. But, uh, yeah, it, it's great. And now we've been married for, all right, September will be seven years. We're married for seven years. Uh, we have a baby girl together. She's uh, she's three oh, years old. Three. She's three years old. So uh, life is. Uh, we just bought a we just bought a house. Life is good. Life is life is freaking good. As long as no James Woods character or <laughs> Up here, fucking yeah. Joe Pesci asshole comes over and tries to like <laughs> I interfere with my shit, life will still be good. Right. And are you a big gambler since you work no, on those casinos? I don't gamble or shit. Okay. I love my money. <laughs> you want to know what I love more than my money? Keeping my money. Okay. I like that. It's an old phrase, but the casinos aren't <laughs> built with because everyone goes in there and wins. Right. So uh, I don't I don't like to gamble. Every now and then, like when it was a Super Bowl or something, I'd throw a couple bucks. Yeah. But uh, I don't... Mm -mm. We're like, blackjack every night. Oh, no, no. no. <laughs> I, I like my money. And now, especially with a kid, I feel a responsibility. You know, I, I don't want her to not go to a good school or not have a, a, a pair of shoes or she can't get a car because fucking daddy put too much on the Denver Broncos <laughs> to cover. Right, you right, know, right. I don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't want that to happen. So I'm not a, I'm not a big gambler. Yeah. I, I feel like, I don't know, uh, walking around those casinos it's not like in the movie you know it feels like a little more sketch or whatever less less glamorous yeah well <laughs> the amazing part about las vegas and this is the, the this, this is what you know rothschild from casino or nikki would say is it's changed now back in the day everyone was wearing suits everyone was dressed to the nines right now you have a guy in a ten thousand dollar suit But he's right next to a guy with a shirt with no sleeves who's right. there with the family drinking one of those three-foot-tall uh, like, drinks um, with the... Frozen margarita. Yeah, the frozen <laughs> margarita out of the fucking fair. Eiffel Tower. <laughs> right, right. That's your favorite. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's like you got him next to him. Right. And, like, he's just trying to make enough money to buy his next score of meth. Right. And, like, he's right next to the guy in the $10,000 suit. It's fucking crazy. Right. Um, and that's what you perform for every night is get that that mix of like we had we had high rollers we had celebrities, I got to meet uh, some really cool people like um, this uh, R and B guy uh, Anderson Pack mm. he came to the show what a great fucking guy that guy is he came in he got he's got a, he's got a hair and he, we we he got a good head of hair on him he's a great dancer and and I got I, I was able to get tickets to go see his show he did a show. Bruno Mars, fucking fantastic. So we went and saw that show, and uh, and he came to the show. The wrestler Chris Jericho came to the show. He's a good guy, and uh, yeah, he, he he was stoked. He loved it. 
So yeah, we 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 would get celebrities coming to the show, and then we get the fucking family of four from Omaha <laughs> right. coming in, spending the paycheck that they earned in the in the cornfield. Oh god, cornfields. Uh, yeah. So they're 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 coming in. They're having a good time too. So everyone came in and had a good time. It was great. Cool. And then um. So uh, Ace in the, in the movie, Robert De Niro's character is such a perfectionist. Do you feel like, are you like that? Are you like very meticulous? No. Are you, no. No. I, I roll with the punches, man. I'm a, so I, I, I'm, I'm going to try to do a uh, Chicago, New York, whatever accent, doing an Asian accent. This is going to come out really bad, and I'm probably going to get canceled. <laughs> so there, Bruce Lee had this quote where he was like, be water, my friend. And where he's like, he's just saying, be water. Water fills whatever container that it's put into. Yeah. You know? Goes in the bottle, becomes the bottle. Yeah, it becomes the cup. <laughs> right. Uh, uh, watch him say it. It sounds more profound than me. Yeah, yeah. In this outfit. But, uh, <laughs> so, but that that's what I am. I'm water. If I go and my plane's delayed, okay, I'll figure it out. If I go and, so, all right, the other night I was in uh, stand-up live in Phoenix, Arizona, which is a great club, one of my favorite clubs. They're fantastic. The staff is amazing. The fans were great. We sold out uh, six shows. Sold out five. We added a six. Sold that one out. Unbelievable. Wow. So we sold three thousand tickets that weekend. It was un unreal. The fans were so great. In the middle of a late show on Friday, which if you read Steve Martin's book, Born Standing Up. He says, I quit stand-up because the late show Friday. Because that's when all the drugs come out. They're, it's the worst show of the week. In the middle of my show, the fire alarm goes off. And at first, I'm like, all right, this will stop in a few seconds. Nope. That fire alarm lasted for 25 minutes. 25 minutes of, you're already tired of it. That's three. Right. Anyway. And you guys didn't have to evacuate? You just were no. there on the stage? No, they came in, they're like, it's fine, false alarm, but the whole block is going off. It's not just the club, the whole block. Right. But I stayed on stage because I'm like, if I leave, now I lose my momentum. And uh, also, I don't want people to ask for their money back. They came in, this is a Friday night, they've paid babysitters. Right. They want to have a good fucking time. So let's, I told the audience, I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to stay on this stage if you want to come with me. And thank Christ. The audience was awesome. They stayed with me. They understood it was hard. They they tipped the wait staff extra that night, and they were fantastic. So, like, I'm water. Fucking roll with the punches. If the fucking fire alarm goes off, right, I'll figure it out. I'll I'll make a way to make that a memorable, a memorable experience for the people in that show. So, and, and going with that, so then do you like improv? Do you like, uh, yeah. like you know? I like it when the wheels come off. Yeah. It's fun. I don't like hecklers, <laughs> right? But uh, I like it when th I like it when weird shit happens. It, it it's a challenge. It's boring if I just go up there and recite the same line over and over. You know, the same right. lines, same joke. Also, you're you're witty. It looks like you have fun. Like yeah, yeah. something in it's something in the new. moment. It's something yeah. new to do. It's a lot of fun. So yeah, every now and then the wheels come off, and that <laughs> and that's a great fucking time. We had that so in the Cirque du Soleil show. Yeah, that would happen. So all right. Public speaking is the worst fear for a lot of people. Oh, yeah. For me, I love it. I love public speaking more than anything. I'm more comfortable on stage than I am off stage. What happened 
in the Cirque show, the, the, all the lights went down, and uh, they had to re they had to restart the board, which takes about seven to ten minutes. And so they're they're just sitting there in emergency lighting, and I'm a comedian. I see I see this happen. I'm like, give me a fucking microphone right now. So because the light board's down, so they can't do all the acrobatics and shit. I'm like, give me a give. Me, and I, I they're like, what like what are you gonna do? I'm like, I'm gonna do my fucking jab. Give me the fucking microphone. So they give me a microphone. I run out on stage, and I just start doing stand up. Thankfully, I only did 10 minutes during the show, so I, I got a lot more material. Right. So I started doing more stand-up, and the audience is digging it. I'm having more personal interactions, and it's it's great. And uh, when when they tell me the light board is ready to go, I say, all right, we're ready to go now. We're, our, we're you, you guys have been really patient, really great. Are you guys going to give these wonderful people your attention? They're the best performers <laughs> in the world in the whole place. Ah, like they start cheering. And then we had one of the best shows ever. That actually happened three different times. The fucking lights went out. But the first time I did it, I I walked backstage after doing that. There's a Russian hand balancer in the show. He's got a 22-pack of abs. He's the best-looking man I've ever seen in my life. And he goes up on a tower, and he holds, like, a wooden block, and he just balances on it. And he's flips himself up. He's doing handstands and he switches hands and he's he's unbelievable. Right. Damnest thing you've ever seen. And he comes up and in a thick Russian accent after I get off stage after saving the fucking show. He comes up, he goes, I have no idea how you do what you do. <laughs> and I'm like, You balance on a two inch piece of fucking wood. And switch hands, and you got and, and and you got abs on your thighs. Right. Like what the fuck? How I do what I do? How the fuck do you do what you do? So, it's crazy how much people uh, fear public speaking and then respect the people that can't actually do it. When I look at other shit like what he's doing, that's way harder. That's way fucking harder. So, uh, yeah. It's I really, mean, it, it is really a superpower cool. to do what you do that not that many people can do it well. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> Every now and then I look like, thank God I'm funny. And I don't, I, I like to be funny off stage too. Like, I'll be in a hotel. Yeah. Bunch of people come in an elevator. I'll be in the elevator with them. And I'll just look at them, uh, up at them and be like, well, now that I have all you guys here, I'd like to share some exciting timeshare opportunities with you. And everyone just fucking goes, oh, geez. And then when they, when they laugh, and right. I'm like, that's really cool that I got that superpower that I can do that. Right. Make people happy. Yeah. You know, they're going to. They're going back to their hotel. They're they're blissed out of their mind, or they're you know they just got dumped. They got fired. They're on a business trip. They miss their families. It's nice to make them laugh. So yeah, I try I I try to do that whenever I can. Um, uh, talking to to Santino, he 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 told me that, that fucking asshole. Yeah, <laughs> that sometimes because like as a performer, the highs are so high that yeah. that energy that you feel is so incredible that yeah. Then the lows are also very low when you yeah. don't have that. Is that how you feel too? Like, do you feel like you always need to be? Yeah. You know, like, like right now, yeah. this is a fucking low. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Look at me. I'm in a suit. I mean, there's there's sand. I got I got I, I got bo the bones I got there. Bony skinny over <laughs> right. here. That's right. And uh, you know, all that's happening. And then you know, I'm out in the valley. Like I said, there there there's jizz in the walls. <laughs> Um, but, uh, no, uh, the, the, the highs are high, the lows are lows, but I try to be even keel. Yeah. 
uh, when when I'm in one of those highs, I try to, I I in the moment, I try to consciously tell myself, hey, this feels really fucking good. It's not gonna last. It's gonna go down. Right. <clears throat> so right. So enjoy it. Enjoy it while it's good. And then I say the same thing when I'm low. Mm -hmm. When I'm really low, I go, okay, this fucking sucks, but it's not gonna last. I'll go back up again. So just be patient, ride it out, and ev and eventually I'll go up again. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's a very healthy yeah. approach. Yeah, Tom Hanks has one of those quotes where he says, no matter what, whether you're really good or really bad, this too shall pass. Do you feel really great? This too shall pass. Do you feel really shitty? This too shall pass. Right. So just know that whatever situation you're in, it, it, it's not going to stay that way forever. Mm -hmm. so just understand lows are coming, but also highs are coming. And I, I, to me, that's a healthy perspective. Do, do you want to be in movies? Is this something or? Yeah, I've been in a few. I'd like to be in more. Yeah. But the thing is, is like with movies. Yeah. Uh, one thing that's weird is that you're not like. I like stand up because I'm in charge of it. I'm in control of it. Right. And then I determine when I work. If I'm in a movie, I got somebody else who's got to be like, I don't know. Yeah. You can't do that gig. Wait, can we get Dinklage? Yeah, I think, well, yeah, let's get <laughs> right. Dinklage to do that shit. Yeah. So that's the part where I'm like, eh, whatever. But if someone wants to hire me to do a movie, great. I would love to do it. Thankfully, I got I got my stand-up gig. Yeah, it's not the dream well. like becoming. No, my dream yeah. is to do stand-up. Right. Any movie I do would be just so I sell more tickets and do more stand-up. That's the, that's the fucking dream. Interesting, yeah. Yeah. Um. Okay, one more question about about Casino then. Okay. Uh, Far away. So, wh which character when you watch it? Yeah. Which character do you do you identify with and 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 why? Honestly, Rickles. <laughs> I I identify with Rickles. <laughs> he's the he, he's the guy. You know, he's not the main guy. I don't want to be the main guy. Too much mm -hmm. pressure being the main guy. They come after the main guy. Right. I want to be the guy next to the main guy. And uh, he he flies on the radar. No one gives a shit about him. So, and 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 he still had a nice gig. You know, he had some power, he had some leverage. Uh, so and and plus the fact that it's a comedian playing it, and a dramatic role, and he's not being funny. He's just being dramatic. Yeah, it makes it even better. So Rickles, I identify. I don't even know what the character's name. I've seen the movie like fucking eighty times, but. Uh, yeah, Rickles. I identify with him in that movie. Would you want to play like a dramatic role? Fuck yeah. Yeah. I want to do that shit. People are always shocked when, when comedians play dramatic roles. Like, oh, they're always funny. Well, how, how do they do the dramatic role? Watch the comedy. We play like eight roles on stage. We're doing everything. Right. So we're, and we're doing, we're doing drama. It's all characters. So it's like we can do it. Comedians yeah. can play dramatic roles. I remember when Andrew Dice Clay like was in a Woody Allen film, and everyone's like, "Oh my God, Andrew Dice!" Clay. Like, yeah, I mean Robin Williams became like, "Yeah, he's <laughs> Dice has fooled you yeah. that he's that character yeah. for God knows how many years." Yeah, he's fucking good actor. Yeah, you know, he's like, "I don't know how he did it." You know, I, yeah, Robin Williams, he's great. Eddie Izzard. Yeah, uh, there's there's tons of comedians that can do dr uh, dramatic roles. Fucking Bill Burr, we did that shit. Yeah. And, Andrew Santino can't do it. He can't. He can't do. He can't do drama. He can only do comedy. Very recorded here. Very specific comedy roles. You know, he's very much typecast. Uh, yeah, yeah. He he has to be like very narrow. Very mm -hmm. narrow. Bobby can do anything. Bobby, Bobby Lee can do anything. As long as there's no 
lines that he needs to learn. Yeah, then 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 it's fine. <laughs> no, Bobby's really great, but that Santino guy, he that guy. Totally, guy. totally. Right? You you agree? I hundred percent. You agree? You hate the guy, right? <laughs> we'll, we'll probably cut this part, but yes. <laughs> no, nah, you hate the guy. You've told me off. You told me off, Mike, many times how much you, you're like. I can't stand that Andrew Santino. He walk walks around like a shit don't stink. You told me that many many times, many times. Um, <laughs> awesome. So I think are we awesome on now, time? Now, now you don't have a job. <laughs> no, I, exactly. That's it. <laughs> I have to live out of this. <laughs> hey, you got a nice beach right here. You yeah, can live right this here. Is it. We My love dream. you. We, I moved we, to hey, LA. And Andrew, we love you, buddy. <laughs> we, he doesn't. I do.